0: So Paul's message to the church at Galatia, we've been talking uh, through this now for about eight weeks. Uh, I believe this is week nine um, in our uh, verse by verse teaching through uh, the book of Galatians. And so if, if you want to get caught up, I encourage you to do so. But essentially Paul's message to the church at Galatia was simply this, that all they need, all they needed to live, all they needed for what they were trying to do was faith in God's grace was faith in God's grace, and he uses three different methods in doing this, and the first uh, four weeks, the first two chapters, are his personal approach, his personal story, his own story of grace, his, his own testimony, and then chapters three and four that we spent the last four weeks talking about were his doctrinal approach, he points them back to the truth. He brings up legalism a lot and, and, and says legalism has its place, right? There's a place for these guardrails. There's a place for these boundaries. There's a place for these rules, but they're behind Jesus, right? They're behind Jesus. It's Jesus first, and, 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 then, and then there's a place for this, right? We, we talked about last uh, Sunday that freedom and grace, that grace and legalism can't sleep in the same tent, right? A lot like siblings, Okay. I and mean, so we 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 compared it to that, right? Um, and so and so legalism and grace need to get out of each other's tent, right? And uh, and so then in today in chapter 5, chapters 5 and 6, he goes to his practical emphasis. <clears throat> Right, he goes to his practical emphasis. And so the first four chapters, a lot of information, a lot of Paul's own story. Right? I'm astonished. You foolish Galatians. Right? All of these different things. And now he turns more to the practical application, the practical emphasis uh, as to what he's trying to get to. Okay. And so if you found yourself kind of lost in the information over the last couple of weeks, hopefully over these next few weeks, with the practical things, uh, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Sound good? Yeah. yeah. Alright, awesome. So Galatians chapter five, verses one through fifteen is where we're gonna be this morning. Let's check it out. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Can we just pause right there and say, Thank you, Jesus? Yeah. Right? I quote this verse often. Here's where it comes from: For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are served from, you are severed from Christ. Excuse me. You who would be justified by the law, you have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You are running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven uh, leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Verse 13, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So I believe Paul's pointing out three points in his practical emphasis here as he's, as he's transitioning, three points that I want to point out to you this morning. Sound good? Yes. All, right. All right, the first one is this. Stand firm in freedom, right? We see it right there in verse one. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Remember our gospel definition. Right? The Gospel is the good news that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead so that through faith in Him we can be made right with God and enjoy life with Him forever. The good news that Jesus died for our sins, rose from the dead so that through Him we can be made right with God and enjoy life with Him forever. When we talk about standing firm in freedom, Right? This is the piece of being made right with God and enjoying life with Him forever. It's important for us as Christians, right? and those of us that call ourselves children of God, right? it's important for us that we don't sit on the fence of freedom. That we don't sit on the fence of freedom. See, see many of us, and we've been talking about this over the last few weeks, as we've been talking about doctrine, right? Many of us love all of the benefits of freedom, but we like the comforts of legalism okay and so we like to we like to be set free right we like we like the we like the idea of walking in freedom but yet we we hold ourselves under this umbrella under this cloud of legalism and we do it for ourselves and the people that we're around right i mean i mean if, if, you, if you watch a certain type of movie right i i, I once um I was at, at Liberty, uh, we, we, we used to have to sign, I was not planning on telling this story, but I've already started it, so here we go, okay? <laughs> um, we, we used to have to sign a covenant called the Liberty Way, the Liberty Way, and it, and it was the, the dress code, right, <clears throat> that you'd only wear jeans on Fridays, you'd tuck your shirts in, um, you know, all, all, of, all those different things, no sandals ever, now I think it's a free-for-all, um, but it's okay, um, it's okay. Right, um, but uh, but but one of the one of the things in the Liberty Way was no R-rated movies, right? No R-rated movies, and I lived off campus, and um, and, and, and 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 I had two R-rated movies, The Passion of the Christ, okay, and Gladiator. Oh, yeah. Don't judge, okay? Don't <laughs> judge, don't judge. I saw those eyes, okay. Don't judge. Well, the Passion of the Christ had been specially approved by the university for students to be able to see, so that one was okay. But one time I had one of our campus pastors over, and I remembered, oh no, I have Gladiator, and so I quickly, right before he got there, ran and took it and took it up and hid it in my room, right? And so, and so, my point in saying that is, we can't sit on the fence of freedom, right? Either we, either we buy into either we buy into God's grace, right, and he's going to love me as I am, or we buy into this belief system that says I've got to earn God's love, right? And, and, and those two, well, to, to steal what we talked about last week, can't sleep in the same tent, and no wonder why we walk around frustrated with each other, with God, with ourselves, and try to hold ourselves under this shame and these burdens, right? Because we're not living by convictions. We're living by these pictures that we've grown up with, thinking of, of what a picture-perfect Christian looks like. And that's, and that's, that's not the case. See, and, 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 this, and this messes with the whole gospel. Right? Because Jesus came, and this is what Paul talks about for freedom, Christ set us free. That's the beauty of the gospel. That Jesus came, He was born, He stepped out of heaven, didn't have to, took the form of a servant, became obedient even to the point of death Philippians 2, right? Died on a cross, lived 33 and a half years, healed a bunch of people, told a bunch of stories, gained a bunch of followers. Um, Including critics right and 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 eventually was put to death died a sinner's death buried three days later rose again Spent about 40 days with his closest followers and then ascended into heaven back to the father So that he could go and prepare a place for us He paid a debt that we couldn't pay so that he could go and prepare a place for us to spend forever With him in eternity and that's the good news of God's grace That he didn't have to do that But he did why? So that we don't have to sit on the fence of freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And Paul's words to the church of Galatia no longer put a yoke of slavery around your neck. Don't let anyone come in and say that anything needs to be added to your salvation. Don't let anyone come in and say that your salvation is incomplete because of anything this side of heaven. Because Jesus sealed your salvation on the cross and at the resurrection. Therefore, we can stand firm in freedom. We can stand firm in freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So let's talk about freedom just a little bit more. Because when I was reading that, I was thinking, okay, so what does freedom look like today? Right? What does freedom look like today? Well, if you go and if you go and uh, Google a definition for freedom, you'll get a, you'll get a lot of interesting uh, hits back. Um, one, that, one that I found that was actually useful is this, the state of having, excuse me, the state of not having or being affected by something unpleasant, painful, or unwanted. That's freedom. The, the state of not having or, and I think this one's important for us, being affected by something unpleasant, painful, or unwanted and so so when you think about the body of Christ and okay, just just think about this for a moment God's gift to the, the, the his, his believers right to his followers when you think about the church the body of Christ right and when you think about something that's unwanted or unpleasant within the body of Christ what are some things that come to mind don't answer okay, rhetorical okay right I think of some things that are unpleasant and unwanted when it comes to the body of Christ, chaos, right? Like I, I you know, when, 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 when somebody you know, says something, right? And, and, and it gets completely twisted or, 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 you know what? I heard the pastor say this, right? And, and it's completely taken out of context. And then a bunch of people think that, the, you know, the pastor's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs because I said something about the Patriots and they thought I was talking about Mark in scripture, and 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 it just get—that's a gross, you know, whatever. Some whatever, uh, right? But you get the point, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, there's just chaos, right? When we take one snippet of what someone said, right, or or, or what some small group looked at, or or what what you know what said at a men's breakfast or a women's breakfast, right? We take one small snippet of that, and we twist it, and we take it, and we blow it up, and all of a sudden, the whole church is like. Right? There's chaos or confusion. Right? Confusion. I think of confusion as being unpleasant, unwanted within the body of Christ. And what does Paul say are the two most common ways that you can uh, identify a false teacher within the body of Christ? When there's chaos and when there's confusion. When there's chaos and when there's confusion. And so when when Paul talks about freedom, right, for freedom, Christ has set us free, right, is free from false teaching, right, is free from from the chaos and confusion that people would come and try to twist scripture to make you live a certain way. Why? For their personal gain. For their personal gain. Uh, Matt Chandler said this, in Christ's grace, in Christ's grace, there is freedom to be honest, transparent oh oh that we would believe that church Hmm. in Christ's grace there is freedom to be honest and transparent when we embrace that security and freedom we end up pointing others to the only source of healing and forgiveness when we embrace freedom, what I want you to notice about what, 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 what Brother Chandler said is this, that when we embrace the security of freedom, the security of, for freedom, Christ has set us free, stand firm therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery, we end up pointing others to the only source of healing and forgiveness. Why? Because they want what we have. And isn't that consistent with what Jesus taught? Be salt and light, right? Why do people like salt? It adds flavor, right? It adds flavor. It preserves, right? And so, and so, and so what, what, what Jesus is trying to get his followers to, to buy into is be the salt of the earth. Be someone that someone wants to be around, right? Be someone that someone wants to be around. We've got way too many or Christians walking around planet earth today. You can't be pleased you're on church 13 And you're what at some point If you're pointing a finger at someone else you got to remember there's three pointed back at you Right like at some point I was having a conversation with, with someone this week, and they're like man just keep, And I think I said this a few weeks ago, and he said, just remind me, just remind me that if I ever find the perfect church, remind me not to go there, because I'll ruin it, right? I'll ruin it. And, and, but here's the thing, here's the thing, I'm not saying, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be burden. We're going to talk about that a little bit at the end of the sermon, it's going to be great, it's going to be really tense in here, it's going to be awesome, Right? I'm not saying that there shouldn't be hard days, that there shouldn't be tough tough days, right? I mean, Jesus even says, you're gonna suffer as I've suffered, right? I mean, like "If if they hated me, they're gonna hate you, right? Like all these things that we have to look forward to is the body of Christ, right? But he says, listen, for freedom, Christ has set you free. Don't sit on the fence of freedom. Don't sit on the fence of freedom. God has given his salvation freely in Jesus Christ to everyone who believes in the atoning sacrifice, the, 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 the freedom of, of Jesus' death and resurrection. But the enemy. Y'all remember there's an enemy, right? The enemy who the Amplified Bible, which is a study Bible, describes as the evil genius of this world. The enemy parades around to persuade us, does his best to persuade us to come away from our position of grace to sitting on the fence of freedom and having to work for our salvation. I guess with the mindset of this world that you get nothing without having to work for it, Right, that you have to climb the ladder. It's so easy to persuade us to walk in the flesh after being given God's gift of salvation. I mean, I mean, when we when we think about it, it's too good to be true, right? It's too good to be true. I mean, if I had if I had the ability, right, um, and 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 I don't, so don't get your hopes up to walk around the room and hand everybody hundred dollars. What'd you do to earn that? Nothing. nothing. Right, nothing but all of a sudden, I might have some people that are really willing to come over to my house and rake some leaves. Right? Because you're like, because some of you especially, like, this is a deep belief system in me. Like, this is a deep belief system in me, right? That, 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 that we struggle. We struggle. Yes, I'm going to say we, because I'm coming up on 11 years of living here, and at some point, y'all just need to accept me. Okay? Not by marriage alone, but, but by, by the fact I've done my time. I'm at least adopted Into the family Okay But but we we have this belief system right? That nothing should come free I mean People really really Look at people skeptically Right When, When they're giving out gifts Well what did I do to earn this I've got to pay you back I'm indebted to you Because of this gift And I think sometimes that's why we struggle with salvation. It's because it's a free gift. It's a free gift. We didn't earn it. And when we try to look at God and say, okay, I'm going to start attending church. I'm going to serve. I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to join all these committees. I'm going to do all this stuff. Right? We're cheapening the grace of God. We cheapen salvation to beating something that we can earn when we didn't do anything for it. We didn't do anything for it. Stand firm in freedom. The enemy just loves to confuse us. Remember, false teaching, uh, chaos and confusion. The enemy just loves to confuse us, try to play games with our minds, even misusing scriptures. Remember when Jesus, uh, remember when he tried to get Jesus to jump off the highest point of the temple by misquoting scripture to him? Or using incorrect teaching to push us off course, to make us drift? And here's the thing, don't let him. Don't let him resist the devil and he will flee from you right from scripture And so here here where we see this in Galatians chapter 5 is this Paul is saying that circumcision Has no value It has no value when it comes to salvation it does not matter Okay, because again, what what these false teachers were coming and saying is you have a circumcision group, you have a non-circumcision group. One of these, one of these is loved by God. One, you're out of luck. And Paul is saying, no, circumcision has no value. It's not the point. Jesus is. The whole point of Galatians is that Jesus is the point. The whole point of Galatians is that Paul is trying to get these people to not buy in to the belief systems that these people are putting in front of them, that it's got to be Jesus plus. No. It's got to be Jesus pure. Jesus pure. That's good. I just made that up. It's not Jesus plus. It's just Jesus pure. Somebody quote me on that and tweet it. And we'll see what happens, right? Jesus is the point. So, secondly, we look at verses seven through 12. Let's let's read it again, okay? Paul Paul says, you're running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? One translation I looked at this past week, uh, it said said this, you were running well. Who cut in on you? Okay, we're gonna come back to that, all right? Uh, This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brother, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Obviously, Paul has some strong beliefs here about the people that were causing chaos and confusion in the body of Christ. Take that as a warning. Right? I mean, that's pretty... pretty intense. That's not soft language. Okay? Right? And that that I wish those who unsettled you causing chaos and confusion among the body would master themselves. Right? But let's get back to it. Okay, so so Paul's question here in verses 7 through 12 is what's the hindrance? Right? What's the hindrance? He says you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who called you. Right? And, then he, and then he goes on to say in verse 10, and I love this, I have confidence, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. Why? Because they've been there. They've tasted, these, the, the church has clearly tasted the goodness of God. Right? And we've all known somebody like that. Maybe somebody like that sitting in this room this morning, right? Who has tasted the goodness of God, but they're getting beat down by other stuff. Right, they getting beat down by other stuff and they're forgetting how the goodness of God tastes. Right, they're forgetting how the goodness of God tastes. That's why peels closes every fall. No. So that we can experience it every spring. Just when we think we might have forgotten the goodness we tasted again. it. That's a stretch. Bad pastor, right? What's the hinders? But Paul says, I've got confidence, right? I've got confidence that you're going to remember the goodness of God, right? Uh, and, but, 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 but Paul's question here, uh, who hindered you? You were running so well. Who hindered you? This is like the fourth time that he's come back to say, I just don't get this, right? I just don't get this. You foolish Galatians, what are you doing, right? Have I wasted my time with you? Right? But, he, but, he, but, but he quickly comes back to have full confidence that you're going to remember the goodness of God. You've tasted and seen that he is good. right? And really what he's asking here when he, when he asks them, you were running well, who hindered you from the truth? It's a rhetorical question. He knows, and they know, and he knows that they will know who it is among them that's causing the chaos and confusion. Because it's the people that are preaching the circumcision gospel right and so and so it is a rhetorical question right uh, I I, um, I skipped, I skipped men 's breakfast yesterday, and I was, I was a little saddened by that because when I walked into the church later, I smelled the bacon, and they had thrown it away about two minutes before I arrived, which i don 't know about you, but I have a strong belief, conviction in my heart that you never throw away bacon but We've got some guys that are learning, okay? And, uh, but, uh, but I, I, went, I went yesterday and, and, uh, and I, I did a running race. Now, I know some of you have a strong conviction against running and you only run when you're chased and even then you give it a thought, right? <laughs> like, what's this worth, right? What's the penalty that I got here? Um, and, and, but but uh, if you've ever run a race, you know this, right? That, uh, that the starting line is always a tricky thing, okay? Because you have all these people, right, that are trying to jockey for position, right? And they're trying to look around, they're trying to size people up, right? right? Am I gonna run faster than this person? Or, right, because you, you don't wanna be the person that starts out in the front and then all race you're just getting passed, right? And so, and so the, whole, the whole first half mile or so of the race is just people jockeying for position. Okay, just people jockeying for position, people cutting each other off, people trying to find their groove, and the people that they're gonna run with, and all of that. And it can be a very, very, very frustrating few minutes. And so I usually find the far left, okay? I usually, I usually go to the far left, and then that way when people start, and I just know that I'm gonna probably start slower, kinda of ease into my pace, Right, because these people have to find their way, and they and people don't see my face typically, so they just think I'm a light pole that they can just kind of go around and all that stuff. Right, because I'm so tall and they're down here, and they just you know they don't see, they don't see. Right, it's it fine, it's fine. Love all people. Right, um, but 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 yesterday was especially frustrating because we started out running up the Eastern problem. So not only are you are you starting out having to fight off all these people, but you're going uphill, which any runner knows is miserable. Right? It's miserable. And so the f- whole first half of this race, I'm just getting frustrated with people, and I'm like, it's cold, these guys are eating bacon, and talking about Jesus, and loving on each other, right? And I'm running uphill, why? I, I'm questioning my standing in some big ways here, right? And then I get to the top of the hill, there's nobody around me. All I see is the beautiful sunrise coming up over the east end, right? And there's a little bit of downhill once you get to the top of that east end. And I'm like, oh, okay, there's the goodness of God. Get out of my way, people. Right? And I just, you know, I just run. It It was beautiful, right? But there's no more frustrating thing than when you're running and somebody cuts you off. Okay? So for those of you that don't run, and that whole illustration has just lost you completely, Let's go to something you know. 495 in Massachusetts. When people cut in on you. How frustrating is that, right? So we get that, right? And so Paul, on behalf of these Christians in the church at Galatia, is frustrated, right? We've got to read this as as he's frustrated, not with the people. Right? But with the fact that there are people trying to do what he's doing for their own personal gain and not for the glory of God, and they're cutting in on his brothers and sisters. And he's pretty passionate about it. He's pretty passionate about it. But again, the question that he asks is a rhetorical one because he knows and they know exactly who cut in on them. Look at verse 12. He says, he says there, I wish those who unsettle you would immaculate themselves. He's identifying with the weight of their problem. He's identifying with the weight of their problem. He's saying, I get it. I get it. And it's frustrating to me that these people will come in and try to do that. Preach for their own gain and not for the glory of God. According to the Apostle Paul. These Galatians believers had started off well, but someone had cut in on them. And and he's reminding them that salvation comes by no other name than Jesus. Hebrews 12, 1 and 3 speaks to this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that whole great cloud of witnesses is, is detailed in Hebrews chapter 11. And the writer of Hebrews goes right in and says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything That hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. I'm reading from the NIV. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of our faith. One translation said the champion and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him endured the cross. Scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And then you go into verse 3. Consider him. Who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart? What's hindering I mean, I mean, I mean. Paul's first application, his first, his first practical point here in chapter five: stand firm in freedom. But then he recognizes that they're being hindered by some things, and we can look in the book of Galatians and know exactly what's hindering. the the believers in the church of Galatia, right? But as I look to you today, what's hindering you? What's cutting in on you? What's causing you to doubt the goodness of God? What's causing you to question? And then I want you to see, lastly, the focus of freedom. Look at verse 13. For you were called to freedom. Only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbors yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. Right? I love that he included verse 15. Not that we need that in the church of today. Because we're past that. Right? We don't bite and devour one another anymore. Right? Right, we're past that. Okay. But I'm sure it was applicable for these folks. Right. But I want you to see the focus of freedom for Paul here. He says, for you were called to freedom, only do not use your opportunity. that your freedom is an opportunity for flesh, but through love, serve one another. The focus of freedom was outward. It was outward. It was it was stand firm in the freedom for, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm in freedom. Don't let people cut in on you, right? Don't let don't let the hindrances come, right? Fight the drift towards those hindrances and stay focused on the gospel, stay focused on the freedom that Christ has already offered, right? So that, so that you can, through your focus on freedom, look to the needs of other people. And this and this truth that Paul is talking about here in Galatians chapter 5, the first part of Galatians chapter 5, is he's turning us into application. And next week we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and how the Holy Spirit's our helper and all of those things, right? Because, because he's the one that gives us the strength to stay focused and to stay focused in freedom and to stand firm and not to sit on the fence of freedom. Spoiler alert, now you don't even have to come next week. Okay, but, um, but, 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 but it's consistent, right? It's consistent with all of Scripture. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, going to all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them and then the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and behold, I with you always, even to the ends of the age. Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? Washing the disciples' feet, right? I mean, I mean all throughout the gospels, the life of Jesus was a life of serving. Why? Why? So that people would follow him. I mean, Philippians chapter 2, we've already quoted it this morning, but Paul says he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, right? So that in all humility, right, in all humility, people might follow him. The focus of freedom is not so that we can feel good about the way that we're living. The focus of freedom is so that we can be set free From our guilt, from our shame, and from the guilt and shame that we try to place on others so that we can be the salt of the earth, pointing every person that we come in contact with to him instead of being an Eeyore Christian walking around, beating ourselves up, and everybody else around us saying that we'll never be good enough for this thing. You're right, but that's not the point. The point is we're not, but he is. is. And so the focus of freedom is not so that we can... We can glide around doing whatever it is we want, saying grace wins, love wins, I'm good, he's already saved me. No, the focus of freedom is so that we can be free of the guilt and shame so that we can point every person that we come in contact with to Jesus. And so what Paul is asking the church at Galatia to do with their freedom is simply this, four things. Find love for others. He's he's asking them to find a love for others. Only do not use your opportunity for, uh, for, for, uh, do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So what he's asking the church of Galatia to do is to love people. Find love in your heart for people. Take the focus off of you, take the focus off of circumcision, take the focus off of this legalism, and focus on the love that you are called to have for other people. Let me, tell, let me tell you what the church, let me tell you, can I tell you who can I tell you, can I tell you what our focus ought to be when it comes to prayer, a burden for a people that don't know Christ. And stressed out and working hard and all of these things to get budgets and annual meeting agendas out for you because those are the things you are looking for last week and this week in preparation for an annual meeting. And I get that those things are important because they're things that we say we're going to do. But when is the last time we've had a conversation with anyone else in this room about a burden for lost people that don't know Christ? And so, and so that's That's the the heart that Paul's getting at here. The heart that Paul's getting at is find the love in your heart for a world that needs Jesus. Secondly, serve others so that you can serve them. Not so that you can yell at them. Not so that you can For trick-or-treat, replace your candy with a gospel track. Yeah. Yeah. Or give them both. <laughs> Make sure you don't leave the candy out. okay? But he says, but through love, serve one another. Again, consistent with all of scripture. Jesus washing feet. Jesus meeting needs. Jesus calling his followers to serve one another, right? So Paul is asking them to find love for others, to serve others. Number three, to build others up, right? You shall love your neighbor uh, as yourself. The whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So building each other up, building others up, building others up. Not tearing each other down. Biting and devouring one another. Especially building each other up. Building each other up. Okay. Let, me you, let me give you the fourth one. And then I'll, and I'll address these last two with kind of the same practical application. And lastly, he's asking us to bear with one another. What does that mean? Get in the ditch with your people. Bear with one another. Bear with one another. I have found that for me when it comes to building others up and bearing with one another. I was told, I was told back in August, uh, pe- people only call pastors when they, when they need something or when they want to complain about something, right? And I would add one to that, um, when someone's sick or in the hospital, or when a baby's born, right? Like there's a medical thing, okay? Um, I have found that if I, and, and I think this is important for you, which is why I'm sharing it. Um, For me to be built up and for me to find people around me that will bear with me, I have to be intentional for that. I have to be intentional for that. And sometimes, buckle your seatbelt, you actually have to ask for it. And if you don't, people might think or assume that you already have that. Like you may be sitting here this morning frustrated, lonely, walking around thinking that nobody cares about you one bit, right, because, because they're not, they're not right? But how, when is the last time you opened a window of conversation with them and said, look, I've got to be vulnerable here. Go back to that Matt Chandler quote, right? See, walking in freedom is having the security in Christ that we can be vulnerable. That we can be vulnerable. That we can be vulnerable. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to have the closest people right around you not understand It's hard. It stinks. But there comes a place where you might have to take that first step and say, you know what? I need you. You're vital in my life. And so I'm gonna build you up. I'm gonna bear with what you have going on in your life. I'm gonna ask you to do the same thing. I'm going to ask you to do the same for me. The last... So serving one another in love fulfills the law. Why? Because we don't live for us. We don't live for us. And this includes, but it's not limited to, right? In in living for us, preferences, baggage, shame, the way it's always been... All those types of things. And So my question for you today, for each and every one of us, is this. How's God calling you to freedom today? And it may be the freedom to share with somebody sitting right around you that you need help. That you need need help. That you need somebody to walk with you. She needs somebody to text you this week and ask you how you're doing. Because that's what ought to be the expectation by the body of believers that we care for one another on that level. Not that we're just people that we show up with and get entertained with every week. So, my challenge for you is the same challenge that Paul had for the Church of Galatia when he talks about listen, stand firm in freedom, find love for one another. Even when you don't feel like it, find love for one another. Serve one another. Serve one another. Even when it's challenging and you show up to serve, and you find out that there's choir risers all around you that are gonna definitely impact the way that you're serving on that day because there's a choral concert in December and so the next two months are gonna look like this. It's okay. Serve one of them and maybe put together a choir. That was for you. (laughs) build others up build others up and seek to be built up and bear with one another try try, try listening to someone like really listening to them before you come up with a prescription for their problem listen Listen. Listen. How is God calling you to freedom today? The worship team going to come, and that can look like a number of different ways, right? We've talked about it over the last couple weeks with legalism, right? Maybe it's freedom from your preferences. Maybe it's freedom from a baggage that you've carried for years. Maybe it's a freedom from the belief that it's the way it's always been, so it should be. But whatever it is, my prayer for you this morning is a prayer of freedom. Because I believe if each and every one of us walked through, I was joking with the band earlier, because I try to give them a cue every Sunday as to when I'm going to call them up so that they can kind of be listening and put together their stuff so they can get up here as quickly as they just did. And so I told them today that the cue for the end of the message is when I ask the congregation, how is God calling you to freedom today? And I told them that I asked that question specifically when I asked the congregation how God is calling to freedom, because I know that all of these folks back here have perfected freedom. <laughs> which is not true. Right? Because if each and every one of us in this room, when we look inward, there's a place where we're holding ourselves in bondage, where we're sitting on the fence of freedom. Whether it's because of a past experience, a past hurt, maybe even a past win, so you're taking for granted all the freedom in Christ and you don't really need God, or because it's the way it's always been? Whatever the case may be, would you be willing this morning to simply say "God? I invite you into this area of my life. show me the path of freedom. Show me a path. And I'm not one of those TV preachers that's going to promise that you're going to walk out of here free. That's why I say there's a path to freedom. Would you be willing to pray that prayer this morning? You pray with me, God, today? I pray that whatever it is that's on the front of our minds... God, that you are calling us to freedom in that area. Relationship, baggage, church hurts, and disappointments, let downs, shame. Trying to hold people in places, in position, because it's the way it should be, because it's the way it's always been. God, I pray for freedom. And God, I love Paul's words here. For freedom, your son set us free. God, it's not a light thing. This thing called freedom. God I just pray against the chaos and confusion I pray against the enemy that would try to convince us to keep ourselves in the bondage that we kept ourselves in for years but God I know that you set people free and so I pray that you would do so this morning that you would begin, that you would begin, and that we would ask boldly, God, show us the pathway to freedom. God, I thank you for loving us enough to set us free. It's in Jesus' name I pray.